here. It's gonna be better. It's gonna be different. I got a really good feeling about it this year. It's gonna be better. It's got so much. Pride. Hey there, friends and neighbors. Dan Cavallari, Slow Guy on the Fast Ride, here with another episode of the Slow Guy on the Fast Ride podcast. Today, I'm gonna let somebody else take the wheel. This is very nerve wracking for me. <laughs> I'm a control freak. I want to. I want to have control over everything. But today, uh, we, we we did a little bit of uh, of a new project, which uh, you may have heard of on previous episodes, called Rebuild Mark, where my good friend Mark still is getting himself uh, in shape and ready to tackle Unbound Gravel. Uh, Mark has he had fallen off the bike in terms of uh, performance and and consistency for a couple of years. Decided it was time to uh, get back in the saddle, lose a little bit of weight, address some health issues, get himself ready for Unbound. So, Mark uh, obviously needed some help. He needed uh, some bike help. He needed some gear help. Uh, and so one of the big things he needed was some structure. Mark's not great about structure. Uh, he will admit that himself. And so he, uh, spoke with a coach recently to get himself, uh, straightened out for his training. Cause there's only a few weeks left between now and unbound gravel. So I'm going to kick it over to Mark who spoke with coach Kristen Legan, a former colleague of mine at Velo News. She is super awesome, super fast on a bike, knows exactly, uh, what to do to prepare for all of the unbound courses. Cause she's done all of them, even the 350. So uh, I'm going to kick it over to Mark, who spoke with Coach Kristen Legan to get himself ready for Unbound Gravel and his Rebuild Mark project. So Mark still here with a, little, a special update for Rebuild Mark. I have a, a guest, somebody with actual experience in doing things like this, Kristen Legan of Rambler Coaching. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to get to help. Well, I think you're going to find this entertaining because you, more than most people, will know how far away I am from success. But I'm going to get there. You, yep. you have a line in your bio from uh, the Rambler.com coaching site. And essentially, it's about helping these people you've helped, first timers, professional athletes. But the key piece is at the end while keeping it fun. Uh, how do you do that? How do you how do you help people? Because I I am just not the sort of person that is a structured training person at all. And you know, I started this with only three months to go between now and now and the race day. Yeah, you know, it's easy for us to take things really seriously. You know, we set a goal and we put a lot of time and energy into these different bike events that we do. So taking a step back and remembering why we're actually out there and why we're doing this um, and that bikes are really fun. And so we should be building that into our training as well. So while, you know, there's plenty of opportunity to do structured training and intervals and FTP tests, it's also about just getting out on the roads, finding that terrain that really, you know, it can push you in different ways that doesn't need to be, you know, second by second structured. So I like to build in, um, you know, the terrain as into the training plans as well. So you can go sprint up a hill or, you know, try and set a new, you know, QOM or KOM out there for yourself and use uh, different things like that to, to build in a little bit of power, a little bit of extra effort without being super structured as well. Yeah. I think that just makes it more enjoyable. I think you have a better chance of success when you do it that way. For sure. Yeah, well, we, and riding, riding with friends, you know, doing group rides, that kind of stuff as well is always, it's motivating because it makes you actually show up and get out there and do the ride. Um, but then you're, you're working hard without really even thinking about it as well. Yeah. That's a little bit of a struggle now. I'm, I'm in such poor condition. 
that uh, it's hard to find anybody that'll ride that slow with me. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of people out there. Speaking of KOMs, you know, since I moved to Colorado, I've only ever had one KOM. I had a <laughs> one-day KOM. We rode from Golden up Lookout. Is it Lookout that's in there? Mm-hmm. Whatever. And then down the other side, I had the one-day KOM going down the hill. Nice. So, Those are hard. The downhill parts are, are difficult. So that's a, it's just you, the one, one day. The skills. <laughs> just for that one day. Nice. Um, well, you know the story. The story is uh, once once reasonably fit recreational cyclist, not a pro or anything, slides down this terrible path of, of falling away from bikes. And I picked this event. Um, and I actually had the idea sooner, but I didn't actually start doing anything till around March 1st. And so far this month in March, I've ridden, I don't know, a couple hundred miles total. Um, okay. And some people said, take it easy. So maybe I was just taking it easy as I got back into things. And hopefully in April, I'm going to uh, move things up a bit. And basically, I just come up with these milestones. And the the ones for April are get a couple of 200-mile weeks in mm-hmm. and get a 100-mile ride. In. And I've got this theory that, you know, I know I'm not going to be ready, physically ready, like I should be on that day. So I think the other things matter more. You know, getting right. some, getting some miles in, but having the right attitude, picking the right stuff, the gear, et cetera. Right. Right. Is that close? Am I, am I dreaming? Am I fooling myself? No, I think, you know, it sounds like you come from a, a pretty big endurance background, which is helpful. You know what it takes to do some of these bigger rides, whether it's an Ironman or other big rides. So having that background just, you know, in your pocket is going to go a long way because you know what it, you know, what it's going to take to get there. So that's a good starting point. And I do think that easing into this was a good call. Um, you know, jump trying to jump in and just be training like a pro is a one-way ticket to injury or burnout or something like that. So I think you're doing the right thing. But um, for right now, I would say just focusing on your consistency is probably the biggest point that I would direct you towards. You know, trying to get, you know, four or five days on the bike, even if it's an hour, you know, though each of those days versus trying to go out and do one big ride a week, um, that's going to be a better kind of building that foundation for you so that when you get to April, uh, into April, you're going to feel more comfortable going out and doing a bigger mileage or trying to do that 100 mile ride before unbound. So, so it does help to stack things, you know, multiple days in a row kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. You want to start trying to build that fatigue because we want our bodies to start adapting to that and getting stronger with that. And then also just the mental aspect of, you know, when you're out there at mile 135 and knowing that you have a big chunk left to go, you know, having that kind of uh, that background of just pushing through when you're when your body's tired, maybe your your brain is tired, everything kind of hurts. So mm-hmm. in training, we can practice that by by stacking the days. It's funny. You said 135. That happened. I believe that's the longest <laughs> ride I've ever done. We. We started a ride where I used to live in North Alabama called the LOL, the Loop of Limestone. Mm-hmm. And we would ride around the whole edge of the county. And that was about 135 miles. So that's perfect because yep. once I get there, I won't know what comes after that. Right, exactly. Well, it's pretty unknown out there, you know, just being on gravel and just a really unknown terrain as well. So, um, yeah, just be prepared for anything, really. How big a difference do you think that is? Because I was always a road cyclist, mm-hmm. but I would... Like a lot of people, I'd ride my road bike anywhere, but from a effort level standpoint, a mile on gravel out in Kansas, because that's different, mm-hmm. that's different gravel than we have around here in Colorado. 
For sure. What's the effort level difference between that and, and riding on smooth asphalt? You know, I think it's surprising, uh, surprisingly different. And I, that's where a lot of us Coloradans especially get caught up is that uh, we have typically we have pretty smooth dirt roads that is, you know, fairly gentle. You hit some washboards and it, it's not fun to ride on it, but that's, you know, you get through it pretty quickly. Kansas gravel can be pretty rugged and it's a, it's a, it's a wide mix. You know, you can have some gravel roads out, out in Kansas that are, you know, super flat, super fast, easy to ride. And then some stuff where you just feel like you're getting knocked around for, and you're like, when is this mile going to get over? Um, so you have, so being prepared for all of those, but the, the biggest thing is that it is harder on your body. So by the end of 200 miles on the road, you're going to be fatigued. You're going to feel tired or, you know, feeling mm. those miles. But after 200 miles on gravel, your body has just gone through a beating. And so it is a much bigger, um, I think, a much uh, harder experience. Um, and so preparing yourself for that um, is, you know, is important. And of course, it's slower. It's, you know, more rolling resistance, all of these different things that are built into it. So um, preparing yourself for that difference from the road is important. I have to say, I've been I've been pretty pleasantly surprised. And again, you're right. And, and I ride a lot of roads to get to the gravel here. Mm-hmm. And it's not really gravel. It is packed pretty hard dirt. But I've been pretty surprised at how um, the, the bike frame that I've got, the wheel and tire combinations, it, it's not as jarring as I thought it'd be. But you, clearly, mm-hmm. it's a lot more effort. It's, it's the, you know, I feel like I've got a flat tire all the time. <laughs> kind of feeling, yeah. but, but I have been pretty happy. I've got a, a, a very lovely Alchemy Ronin gravel right. bike that's been uh, it's been fun. I've never had a gravel. I had an inexpensive gravel bike, but nothing like this. So, mm-hmm. so uh, stack today's get ready for a lot of extra beating. Um, what are the other tips? What are the things that people? I, I like to think I have the best attitude of anybody mm-hmm. I know on a bike, whether I'm deep in the cave or not. Uh, right. And I have done some long stuff, but what are what are the things that you think trip people up, first timers, particularly out in Kansas? Uh, what are those the, the top mm-hmm. two or three things that tend to trip people up that I can watch out for? Well, I think nutrition and hydration uh, planning is is a big part of it, right? It's you can be as strong as you know strongest person out there, but if you don't take care of yourself with nutrition and hydration. Um, you're going to be on the side of the road, you know, pretty quickly they're suffering. So practicing that everybody's different. There's no one set thing to say like, drink this, eat this, and you'll be, you'll be good. But Mm -hmm. I think really spending the time looking into what has worked for you in the past and, you know, testing out different systems now in your training so that you're prepared, you know, exactly what sports drink or what snacks are going to be good for you. Um, Because again, a lot of times with sports nutrition, you know, you're fine for the first maybe 100 or 130 miles. But then when you get into those later miles, your stomach, your body, everything hurts, nothing's working right. And you just might not be able to eat another goo. Like you just might not get it down. So having a variety of different things um, that you have as your go-tos that you know, this will work for me. I know almost always I can eat this. Um so, so start practicing that, start experimenting with that right now. And then same thing for the hydration. Um, Kansas can be, you know, in, in Emporia, it can be 95 degrees and, you know, 80% humidity, you know, super hot, super humid. Um, it can be cold as well and rainy. It just depends on the year. But 
I think the hardest years are, are definitely the hot and windy years because you just don't realize how uh, behind you can get in your hydration. And once you're, you know, once you're too far behind, it's not, not a fun day out there. So yeah, um, yeah, that's that, kind of one of the biggest ones I'd say to focus on. That's a good one. Even in the, the little bit of riding as I get back to it, I can already tell that I don't absorb like I did when I was doing mm-hmm. this every day of the week years ago. So right. that's a really good tip too. And hopefully if the hot and humidity, humid conditions happen, I mean, I am originally from the South. I'm used to that. So that's one more, yeah. one, one more, maybe that, maybe that's a bonus point for me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, do, you, do you think that when you do the coaching in some of these camps that you do and ha- your personal clients with that, do you spend a lot of time on mechanical issues? I mean, how big a deal do you think it is to be, I, I think I'm fairly mechanically inclined. <laughs> uh, do you think that's a big deal to, to, to prep for? For sure. Yeah. I mean, we're out, it's technically self-supported other than the checkpoints, um, where you can get resupply and, you know, swap tools and that kind of stuff, um, with your, with your crew. So knowing, you know, basic maintenance on, you know, how, you know, if you get a flat tire, how to plug a tubeless tire, you definitely want to have tubeless out in, um, at unbound. That's hundred percent. You have to do that. Um, so knowing how to plug that or change a flat, um, things like if you break a chain or if you're rear derailleur, if you, you know, um, hit, hit a rock and you get tangled up in there. So having, I, I do think it's really important. It's something that we do work with, um, at all the camps that we do out here and talking through how to do those changes, because it's, it's not worth carrying all the tools to, to fix your bike in all these different ways if you don't actually know how to use those tools. So <laughs> think about, you know, prioritize what you, what you're comfortable fixing and become, you know, practice that go out on the road and let some air out of your tire and, you know, practice changing a flat or, you know, pumping up your tire, make sure your pump is working or your CO2 system is working. Mm-hmm. Um, so practicing all of that just makes it that much easier when you're out on course. So that, you know, when we're tired and kind of our brains aren't working right, um, it, you just know what to do pretty instinctually. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Just owning the stuff isn't going to get it, make it happen. Right, right. Um, thankfully, thankfully, tires and, you know, tires have come a long way, I'd say in like the last eight, you know, five to eight years, um, you know, a long time, you, you hear all these horror stories of people flatting, you know, eight, nine, 10 times. And mm-hmm. it still happens for sure. Don't, t- don't get me wrong. But thankfully, tires and the plug system and the tuba systems are getting much, much more robust. And so um, you don't hear about that quite as much. You can usually just plug something and keep moving. Um, but knowing how to do that's the first step. And I've never done that. Uh, no. You know, the last time I rode road bikes, tubeless, I actually rode the very first generation of Shimano tubeless road wheels back in 06 or 07. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, ha- having that with 80 or 85 PSI, yeah, uh, you know that's a different <laughs> yeah. situation now. So I've never we didn't have the plugs back then. So I've I've got some, but I haven't yeah. actually plugged the tire. Do you have particular tire recommendations? Do you have a favorite? I know you you've done the event a lot, right? Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of these kind of events. Do you have a favorite tire? Yeah, it depends on a few things. So I've raced um, on the specialized Pathfinders um, mm-hmm. the last couple of years, and I think those are great. They're super. They feel super fast. They feel um, pretty reliable and and you know, robust out there. Um, I also like the, um, uh, Terravail cannonballs. 
they're a, they're a little bit more of a rugged tire. That's something that maybe you're not looking to set any records or, you know, be top of your age group as much. And you just want something that's super reliable, maybe a little bit slower, but it's, you know, not changing a flat is a lot faster <laughs> than, uh, than changing one. So it's worth the trade off on a lot of times. So those are, those are kind of the two that I'll typically go back and forth with depending on the terrain and, and what we're looking at. I think I have Terraville, another Terraville. I think they're cannonballs on the bike now. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, what, one of the biggest things is just, right. yeah, good. You're, it's going to be nice and easy for you, but, um, but yeah, just making sure you also have, you know, wide enough tires. Um, I've done unbound on 35 millimeter tires and, you know, back in, you know, 2014 or something when that was wide. And, mm-hmm. um, I'll tell you, it's a lot more comfortable when we get up into those forties, 42, you know, range. Um, so, so whatever your bike can fit, you know, obviously you have to work around that, but the wider typically is a, is a better option. Yeah. It's probably more so with the larger person. So even if things go well, I'm still going to be too, 10 or so. Uh, mm-hmm. so And there are 42s on there now. I'm playing Perfect. with tire pressures. I, I don't I don't know that I want to go the absolute lowest I can go. I think I think a couple of PSI extras, a little extra insurance on, you know, folding the sidewall over. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that does that make sense? Yeah, I think uh, just getting out and practicing on it and knowing what feels comfortable to you in your home trails and then definitely get out, you know, the day before if you're in Emporia and test it out on the gravel here because it's going to feel a little bit different. So everybody's different, you know, lower is tends to be better on, on, you know, when it comes to the rolling resistance and just the speed of things, but, um, but it's also a comfort level. And sometimes when those sidewalls do fold a little bit, you know, in a turn, you just, it, it, it's not a happy feeling. So, um, maybe it's not worth running it that low. Yeah. I just want a little, I want to figure out where a little extra insurance fits in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I tend to, you know, pat myself on the back about having the right attitude I've been, you know, deep into an Ironman and felt like the world was going to end, but I kept going. How how big a deal, and tell me it's a really big deal, is having the right (laughs) attitude. That's kind of one of the best things I got going for me. And how do you stay in that state and and work through those things? Yeah, no, it is. It's definitely the biggest part of this. The, The mental side of being out there for so many hours and being just, you know, on that rugged train, it's, it's incredibly important to have that, that attitude. Um, so look, we're all going to have super highs out there where you're just like, oh, this is amazing. It's beautiful. I'm riding. I feel amazing. I just ate something. I'm great. And then you're going to have these super lows as well, where you're just like, why did I ever sign up for this? My everything hurts. I hate this. I think I've personally quit gravel racing probably 15 times, you know, in every race. So uh, just know that you're going to have those highs and lows. They're, neither of them are going to last forever. So when you're super high, enjoy it because it's going to get worse from there. And when you're super low, know that it's going to go up. Um, but it's also, you know, when you are low, having some key things that you can say, okay, I'm struggling right now. What can I do to break me away from this? First thing is to eat, you know, nine times out of 10, you're low blood sugar, you know, you're just not feeling good. And so you start feeling mentally bad as well. So eat mm-hmm. something. And then also having some sort of, you know, a mental cue or something that you can use to remind yourself why you're out there. Um, you know, write, write a little note on your top tube, you know, on a piece of tape and tape it to your top tube to remind yourself to relax and smile and tell people good job. Um, cause it will help you as well. But I think 
once you're out there, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to be surrounded by so many people kind of going through the same thing as you. And so mm-hmm. tapping into that community is, is a great way to kind of stay on top of your attitude and remind yourself that, you know, we're out here having fun together. It might not always feel great, but it's pretty, um, pretty special that we get to do this. Yeah. That's, that's good advice. And of course, keeping your head in the game to finish, that's going to be the best thing ever. Cause it's yeah. got to just be an amazing feeling to cross the line after such a long event. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Use that as like a little visualization, go drive down, you know, commercial street uh, the day before and just think about, you know, riding your bike down there and having it lined with people cheering for you. It's, it's a great way to, you know, when you start to think like, Oh, should I just, you know, maybe I'll, I'll pull out a little bit early of the race. I don't need to finish all the way, but if you think of that, it'll help you get to that finish line. I've never not finished one of anything like this before. Of course, this is the biggest thing ever. I mean, I spent <laughs> whatever, 13 hours and 20 minutes or so in an Ironman, but I've never not finished something. I've not finished a crit once or twice, but I've never not finished this. So that's not a good thing. But I will say that just starting has been great. And if yeah. I get to Kansas, it'll be great. And if I get halfway through, it'll be great. But I, I exactly. don't know. I, I'm not, I, I never not finished. So I do want to, I do want to make sure I do that. Um, it, are there any, uh, cause I haven't been to Kansas. I won't, I won't see any of the course ahead of time, but you're mm-hmm. familiar with what Colorado's like and what Kansas is like. What What's going to be the biggest surprise or, or what, what should I, what are the hills like? Are there long mm-hmm. hills? You know, what, what's the correlation yeah. and, and how might I try and prepare a little bit for that ahead of time? Yeah, that's actually a really great question. So, you know, in Colorado, especially on the front range, it's either really flat when you go out east into the, you know, into the country, or you're going up the the mountains and doing long, you know, 20, 30, 40 minute climbs. That's really different than Kansas, where it's very rolling, where you're going to be going up, you know, maybe two to five minute climbs for the most part. Um, There's probably about three or four real steep climbs where you're like, I'm pretty proud I didn't walk that one, you know, at a hundred miles in and my legs are tired and it's loose and it's a steep climb. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to hit a few of those, but for the most part, I'd say it's a pretty rolling terrain. So I think going out and kind of finding that if you can find some sort of terrain, you know, out in some of the, um, into the farm, farm roads out Eastern Colorado, you do get some of that elevation. Um, but I think just being prepared for, you know, it's not going to be this, you know, 20 minute steady effort where you find a cadence and you just kind of grind it out it's going to be a much more dynamic you know trying to find the speed um going down the hills and being confident and then being able to use that to kind of transfer into uh the uphills as well so i think there's some technique in the riding as well um besides just power it's about where to apply that power um to maximize your you know efficiency out there that could be, I didn't, I didn't thought about it. That could be different. So if it's rolling and you're coming down, uh, some speed and loose gravel is a combination that maybe I'm not so used to. I should, I should try and test that out too, right? Yeah, for sure. Again, the more you can, in, in anything you're doing, you know, whether it's the training or the technique, the more you can be race specific going into the, into the event, the, you know, the more prepared you're going to be. So trying to find some, you know, some steeper gravel hills that you can go down and up. And just know what it feels like to climb out of the saddle when your rear wheel might skid, you know, skid out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then descending down, you know, how does that, um, 
you know, what's the most comfortable position when you're getting down in the drops and having a bit more of an attack position versus, you know, being upright and a little bit more wobbly. Yeah. And you said some of those hills can be quite steep. Is that six, eight percent or is that 10, 12 percent? No, I think you're you're closer in like the six, eight percent. It doesn't get it's like it's not. Yeah. Crazy steep. But again, those are pretty short. Um you know, then they're, they're spread out throughout the, throughout the course. So you'll see a little of everything, you know, in 200 miles, it's, you're going to see a lot of different things because yeah. it just has the opportunity for it. I don't mean to fixate on that, but I've already <laughs> ridden some fairly steep hills around here with the gear ratios I've got mm-hmm. at my current weight around 8% is about the level I can mm-hmm. spin anything up. Anything steeper than that's going to be a weightlifting exercise and that, right. you know, that's different. Hopefully I'm not quite as everybody should ride a bike. I don't care what your body type is. I should be riding a bike, but the physics says it takes more energy to haul an extra 30 or 40 pounds up a hill. So that's why I asked right. that. N- now I'm just going to go. It's not a problem. I'm going to put it out of my head. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all good. Just taking your time and finding the right, um, you know, ride your, the, the, speed that feels right to you that you can maintain right like sometimes you'll be faster on the hills and sometimes you'll be faster on the flats and so just uh being okay with where you're at i think that's the most important part stepping onto the start line absolutely this has been super helpful i really appreciate it have i missed anything that you think everybody should know and keep in the back of their mind as they approach something like this you know, I think just, again, like going back to kind of where we started of, of having fun with it, you know, that the preparation should be fun. It's, you know, it's it's something that we're choosing to do. Um, it can feel overwhelming. You can start looking at the course or, you know, the resupply or all these different things and it can feel really overwhelming. But just remember, we're just going for a big, long bike ride, you know, and so just approach it with that mindset and know, look, I can ride my bike. As long as I can eat and drink, I can keep riding my bike all day. So, um, you know, you can get through it and just, yeah, have fun out there. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you again. How can uh, folks reach out to you? There's uh, rambler.com is the website for coaching. What's the best way that people have questions or want to get involved? You've got an awesome training coaching package that includes all the coaching for unbound and even entry. Uh, What's the best way for people to reach out to you? Yeah, check check out rambler.com. It's R-A-M-B-L-E-U-R. Um, that's all the coaching info. And then I'm also on all the social medias. You can always reach out through that. Um, uh, it's Kristen Legan up there. And um, yeah, looking for it. Happy to chat with anybody and, you know, just looking for some advice. Always, always looking to dive into it with these folks. Outstanding. Well, hopefully uh, we'll follow up after and I'll tell yeah. you how much all this helped. And it's the main reason I got <laughs> through it all. So thank you again for taking the time. It's been fun. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you out there. <laughs>